Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also, lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks for listening in or uh, listening online and also uh, now podcasting, really, at any of your podcast outlets when you just look for it under Lakes Woods and Irons. Chris, uh, nice to be back uh, with some fresh content. Uh, a lot of shows don't have a lot of fresh content in the uh, baseball, basketball, hockey world right now. No. But uh, we're able to at least uh, uh, have some hope, I think, and the faith that the golf courses will open and that we'll be at some point in time uh, playing the sport that we love. So uh, welcome back, my friend. Thank you, Mac. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be at this time of the year. It's uh we're under strange times, but, uh, you know, very hopeful that, uh, you know, at least in the Brainerd Lakes area, our season will get started about the same time it typically does around, uh, April 15th. And we won't, uh, we won't lose too much of our season because of this, uh, because of the pandemic. Let's hope that's true. Yeah. I know, uh, you, we were talking earlier in the week, some of the courses that, uh, are going to be open in some states are are having uh, either walking or one person per cart, which kind of makes sense in, uh, as we're trying to follow all the guidelines that we can. Yeah, you know, I was, I was supposed to be in California for my final trip out there for the winter teaching, and uh, I'm out there for about eight days a month in the winter and in Palm Springs. And uh, the golf course that I'm at, El Dorado Country Club in Indian Wells, they, uh, uh, they've remained open. It, uh, no clubhouse services or anything like that but uh the golf course is open and they they've gone to there's no flags in the uh on the green uh no flag stick no bunker rakes okay uh if people ride they they uh one person to a cart uh you know obviously they can walk and uh the the they've gone to the the cup liners uh, being about an inch above the ground. Yeah. So if, if, if you hit the cup liner, it's considered a hold, hold putt. Yeah. And, um, actually the USGA made that, you know, kind of amendment to the rules of golf and handicapping procedures. They've, they've allowed that, which is kind of cool. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's amazing there that, you know, this is kind of prime time for them out there. They've got about, uh, you know, about six weeks of the golf season really left in the desert. And, uh, they're, you know, they're doing 120, 140 rounds a day right now with, you know, with that, the, all the social distancing, uh, uh, procedures in place. And so people are still, uh, still enjoying golf. And it's such a big part of people's lives, especially there. Sure. That, now uh, the, the lip outs count now, Chris. That's, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> no excuses now, Matt. <laughs> right. Right. I, I can hit it 40 miles an hour as long as I hit the cup. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and of course, normally, Chris, we'd have that uh, cool uh, CBS uh, theme behind us and uh, a tradition unlike any other. And uh, that's, uh, that's all changed as well. The Masters has been moved to the fall. And one of our guests a little later in the show. Uh, Trip Bowden and his father, Doc Bowden, can uh, tell us a little bit about Augusta in the fall, what it's like compared to Augusta in the spring. Yeah, we've had Trip on the show before. It was the first uh, white caddy at Augusta National, and his father, uh, Doc Bowden, is a uh, uh, Doc has attended 57 straight Masters. Wow. Not only 57 straight, but he's gone to every single day. Monday through Sunday of those 57. And, no kidding. Uh, yeah, both are, uh, uh, those who have heard Trip on the show before know what he, 
what a character his he is and uh he comes by it naturally with his with his dad doc <laughs> and they're gonna start, share some great stories and uh reminisce of uh of the gust of augusta national and the masters there's nothing like a great storyteller that can make it seem even just a little bit bigger <laughs> absolutely <laughs> they both have that gift also uh jd drimmel uh, chris a friend of yours and uh, he's got some information for us as well yeah jeff's the ceo of the minnesota section pga and we're going to talk a little bit about the effect of uh the coronavirus on golf in minnesota and where uh where things are going and then uh, we'll close the show a little different than usual usually it's just you and i but we'll uh have chuck Kletkatsky on from craigans and uh talk about a little bit about the the McKenzie Tour coming yes. uh, to Craigans in August, which is great. Yeah, really exciting for uh, for golf in the Brainerd Lakes area in Minnesota to have professional golf in Brainerd. So we're off and running. Mac, along with Chris Foley, you're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan and streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Very special guests with us today. Chris, I'll let you handle the introduction. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we got a great great segment for everybody. We're uh, a multiple-time guest on the show, uh, Trip Bowden, who is the author of several great books, Freddie and Me, which is Lessons from Freddie Bennett, Augusta National's legendary caddy master, all memorable rounds. And then last year he came out with the Caddy's Cookbook, which is about uh, uh, Augusta National recipes from from the, from Augusta National and a very special guest with him is father Dr. Dr. Joe Bowden who is a uh, been the I hope this is correct 57 straight masters not only 57 straight masters but every single day of the masters so welcome to the show guys thank you well thank, thank you. you I'm delighted to be here I appreciate the honor and privilege of being there and uh Wow, I had forgotten that number, 57, uh, every every day, practice round, regular round, everything. Uh, and uh, I look forward to the fall and uh, add to that number. And, Doc, we uh, just mentioned uh, before we got going on the show, you just walked off the golf course, in fact. I did. Uh, the Augusta Country Club uh, is right next to the Augusta National in fact, we now share property in that the Augusta National bought some of uh, the golf course last year, and uh, to, uh, to they to put a border around the Augusta National. They're buying a great deal of property all around Augusta, but they wanted a buffer zone around it and a service road, so they bought uh, one of our holes and uh, built us a new one and gave us uh, a very fair price for that. So uh, we are we now share common property. Uh, after all these years, and the Augusta Country Club is uh, very similar uh, to the Augusta National, and uh, in fact, it's older. It was built in 1899, and uh, it's uh, and shares a common membership. A lot of the early members of the Augusta National are Augusta Country Club members, and it's a beautiful day in Augusta too. It was uh, 54 degrees when I teed off. Clear, crystal blue skies, birds singing. Uh, the, the clubhouse is closed, but they're kind enough to leave the golf course open for walkers, and you got to carry your bag. And uh, so it's just a fabulous, beautiful day in Augusta, which would have been uh, just a few days before Masters. Right, exactly. Yes. Always nice to have beautiful weather there. Usually seems like we do. We do. We do. 
Yep. That, that's why they have it that week. Uh, the original Masters uh, 1934 was not the, actually the first full week in April. It was the end of March. And I've got some pictures. You can see them uh, from the, that first tournament. And the weather was not good. People are out there in overcoats and bundled up and everything. So they decided that they would move it a little bit to enhance the chances for better weather. And that really has been the case. Uh, the weather has been very, very good. But there's been some days that have been rained out, but that's the nature of the beast. But for the most part, it's glorious in Augusta. That first full week in April, the azaleas, all the flowering uh, uh, shrubs and everything that they have at the National is just eye candy. It is spectacular. Doc, the, the speculation is that they're going to move the tournament to October this year. And wh- what do you see as some of the differences? What, what, will the, what will the players see differently? What will be from the spectator standpoint different? Well, it's going to be a different golf course in terms of the fairways for sure. They keep the, uh, the the greens are meticulous all year round, and that's not going to be any different. But the fairways will be different because the Augusta National is a winter course. It's closed from the 1st of June to October the 15th, uh, and it's hot in Augusta, and the ryegrass goes uh goes uh, dormant and then the Bermuda comes out but it's really it, it's hot in Augusta and it's uh, always been closed for that period of time and then they'll transition into the ryegrass in September they will plant that and it's uh, it's going to be that uh, they can grow grass uh, on a billiard ball they've got so much talent <laughs> you know, and money uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't see the fairways uh, to be of the condition that they would be in uh, in, in, uh, in April. Uh, but you never know. Uh, that I've been so impressed with the, the skill, the abilities, uh, and, the, and the personnel at the Augusta National to make that golf course uh, just absolutely pristine. But I, I would see, I would think it would be faster fairways. Uh, but that, sure. And having played, having played there in October. Uh, after when it's been open, freshly opened uh, through the kindness of so many people, I found the golf course. The, li- the lies are going to be tight in the fairways. I would predict. Mm-hmm. I would predict some pretty tight lies uh, because the ryegrass will be coming in, but it will not be flush. So that would be one of the main things. And of course, the worst thing, as I mentioned earlier, the eye candy. Uh, there's not going to be much flowering in October. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll be it'll be green, but it won't be that contrast of color of purples and yellows and blues and all of those rainbow colors that we you are so company so used to yeah. in in April. Trip, I'm kind of fascinated by uh, your relationship with Dad and with Freddie, uh, Freddie Bennett, Augusta's national legendary caddy master from Freddie and me. My dad taught me the game and. Uh, and uh, but for you to have your dad's good friend become your good friend is quite is quite unique, really. Yeah, very 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 special and um, very fortunate. Actually, very very lucky, I guess you could say that uh, Pop brought Freddie into my life because you know when I was a kid, like I say in the book, um, I didn't like golf. I thought it was a stupid game and took up too <laughs> much of my dad's time. And you know, I wanted to go kick a soccer ball or go fishing. And then um, so I didn't want to have anything to do with golf. I actually hated it. And then. Uh, now that uh, 
I'm older and I've got kids, and now the game hates me because my game is way off from <laughs> what it once was. But Pop uh, brought Freddie into my life, and uh, Freddie you know, said, I know you don't like golf, but I hear you like to fish. And I said, man, I love to fish. And so he takes me out to the the club the next day. I'm like, what's the club? And it turns out it was Augusta National Golf Club. And this was in the summertime when the club's closed. And we used to pull down Magnolia Lane. I didn't know anything about the Augusta National. We hop in a golf cart and go over to the par three, and we've got these cane poles cut down from the bamboo itself uh, on number four. And we're just pulling them in, hand over fist. And uh, it's on a par three course. It's the best fishing in the world. The pond is stocked <laughs> incredibly. We're just pulling in the brim left and right. And then Frey says, you know, I know you don't like golf, but you ever give it a chance. And I said, you know, I never had a question asked me quite like that before. And I said, no, I haven't. So he says, come here, let me show you something. So he shows me a golf grip, you know, the, like the Hogan grip with the, just the one finger in the palm of your hand. He says, pulling a fish. And I'm thinking, there ain't no way I'm pulling in a fish. <laughs> but I do. That's it. That's golf. He said, that's golf, man. So that's where my lessons began with Freddie. Very simple. But <laughs> I was hooked, hooked for life. As we all know, once you get, the, get it in your blood and you get the fever and it never leaves. Doc, did you pull some fish out of that pond too? Well, many of them out there, they're brim primarily, and uh, uh, they're as big as Freddie's hand. Uh, and Freddie's hand was like a catcher's mitt, so, so they were pretty good size. Uh, and uh, they, it was more fun fishing on the side of the pond on the Eisenhower Pond, both the upper and lower levels. And Freddie, if he knew where they were, and they would bed uh, and, and, and breed in the summertime. And he, he knew when the dates were and all that, so it was uh, – it was great, great fun, and uh, and, and Freddie did inspire Trip, I guess, to, to to pick up the game. And then when Trip started, he uh, he, uh, he wanted me to teach him, and we went out to Westlake Country Club for the first rounds. And I realized he might have a little talent, and I said one of the worst things could happen to him would be me. So <laughs> I, I, I put him in the hands of the legendary Tommy Moore the old professor who uh, eventually became the head pro director of golf at the Palmetto Golf Club, which uh, is in Aiken, South Carolina. And uh, the Palmetto Club was built in 1892. And when the Augusta National was being built, uh, uh, there were mutual early members of the two clubs. And Alistair McKenzie was uh, convinced to come over to the Palmetto Club and redesign it. So McKenzie actually has two clubs in Augusta, the Augusta National and the Palmetto Club. But under the tutelage of, uh, of Tom Moore, uh, Tripp uh, became a good player with a, with a good, sound, basic, fundamental swing, which uh, with my Arnold Palmer follow-through, I'm not sure he would have had the same success uh, that he had in college and in golf. Tripp became an excellent player. But uh, he may or may not share with you that uh, – Last year, that uh, I uh, I beat him and his friends at uh, uh, the, uh, the the ocean course uh, uh, at Rip Island uh, with no strokes. Somebody, wait a minute! Don't give me three strokes. I think you gave me three. <laughs> My dad always remembered the times he beat me as well, and, and it was usually a lot more than I ever beat him. So, <laughs> D- Doc, yeah, well, it, wasn't, it, it, it wasn't long before Trip was handling me pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, because once he started, uh, he said that he h- hated golf. And <clears throat> I think he said, you know, because I was playing golf and he wanted me to come home and throw a football with him or something like that. And in, mo- in those days when I was uh, in residency training, if I got a few minutes, I, I took to the golf course uh, and uh, I can understand why that uh, 
would have soured him on the game. Uh, but once he got the fever, uh, he would go out to Westlake in the morning and in the summer times and stay there all day long. And, uh, and then come in. So he got that early just fever and played and played and played and practiced with good instructions with Tommy Moore. I do want to do one little funny story. When uh, Trip first started going out to Westlake in the summertime, uh, I gave him my club number. And uh, get you a hot dog and get you some chips and uh, Coke or something like that. Well, nine thirty five. The the first uh, first month that he was out there, uh, July or something like that. Uh, I give it the uh, my bill was seven eight hundred nine hundred dollars. I said, my <laughs> God, trip! How many hot dogs is that? And I've come to realize that uh, Mister. Uh, got rocks there. Daddy Warbucks, Trip Bowden was buying hot dogs and chips and <laughs> drinks for all his buddies. <laughs> that that stopped, by the way, quite uh, quite quickly. <laughs> was a good month, though, Trip. It was a great run. <laughs> oh yeah, he I was very popular month. that month. <laughs> well, well, Doc, I like that, I'm very very generous when it comes to other people's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> If it's three, if it's free, I'll take three. That's right. No charge. I'll have a large. <laughs> Doc, how how did you develop your relationship with Freddie? Uh, Great question. It was uh, there was uh, a, a caddy named Iron Man, and he was Arnold Palmer's caddy, and he was also uh, Mr. Clifford Roberts' uh, favorite caddy. And I was in the emergency room one day working. And uh, I got a call from a friend of mine, the late Dr. Ed Loftus, and he said, are you in the ER? And he said, yes. He said, well, uh, can you see a patient? And I said, sure. Uh, that's why I'm down here. And he said, well, Freddie's going to bring Iron Man down there and, uh, and, and need you to take a look at him. So I said, okay. I didn't know who Freddie was, but I knew who Iron Man was because I am a member of Arnie's Army. Yeah, uh, it had been since 1958 when he first played in the Masters. Uh, anyway, Ironman came down, and uh, uh, he, had, he had a relatively simple problem to take care of, and I did that. And then, uh, and I met met Freddie, had brought him in, and then they, you know, everything went well. And then about a week later, or something like that, to knock at my door and uh, go there, and Freddie's there, and he's got two dozen balls and a shirt and a hat and all this. Uh, Want to pre- you know, thanks Doc for uh, taking care of Iron Man uh, on the cuff. Uh, I didn't charge him anything, uh, and I didn't even uh, anyway. I, I won't go into the uh, the part there where he got some free bandages and stuff like that. Uh, from the hospital. <laughs> That's been a long time ago. I guess I'm safe for being uh, uh, somewhat of a thief that day. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and, and I appreciate that he came in and uh, we sat, we met, we talked, and. Uh, it, uh, he said, Doc, you got a taste? And I said, uh, yes, sir. A taste is a sort of uh, caddy talk for uh, a, a little whiskey. And so uh, <laughs> we had a drink, and we talked and all that. And then another week goes by or something like that, and he calls me. At the, and he says, Doc, it's Freddie. I said, well, how are you, Freddie? And he says, I'm doing How are you doing? What are you doing? I said, well, I'm over here in the clinic. He said, well, you got your nails on. And that's also caddy talk of you got your golf shoes on. <laughs> I said, no, but uh, they're in the car. It says, are your clubs there, too? And I said, yes. Yeah. So, well, you want to play golf? And I said, sure. Uh, and I said, but 
when? He said, oh, about 30 minutes. I said, where? And he said, oh, you know where. I tell you, my heart, my heart fell in my socks, and I was running around getting my uh, my fellow's uh, surgery rather. I said, I need coverage for four hours. I need this desperate this is an emergency situation. <laughs> I didn't tell him the truth or anything like that. And I in the car, and it's, a, it's about a six- or seven-minute drive up to the National. And uh, that was my first round of golf in 1969. And uh, in those days, uh, Mr. Roberts uh, let the, the pros have guests. Uh, th- those days are gone, by the way, long gone. <laughs> and that was uh, Bob Klecky and Dave Spencer. And that's when I met them. And they became life lifelong friends, too. Uh, they're both still alive and well and doing quite well. But, I mean, dear, dear, dear friends as, as our relationship developed. And so with that sort of genesis there, I became an unofficial position to the staff, caddies, and anybody else at the Augusta National. Uh, and so I, I would take care of caddies. Freddie would bring them in. I'd sew them up, uh, medicine. Uh, take care of the Coles and then the other staff there and uh, and Freddie. Freddie uh, Freddie was always worried about his blood pressure. And I must have taken his blood pressure 2,000 times. <laughs> uh, and, and in the days when when it, it was more open and, and I, he, he, I could get into the Augusta National, Freddie called me and said, I think you know, I, my blood pressure needs taken. I said, okay, I'll win. They said, we can't got I really relied on my friends to back me up. Uh, fortunately, it was only a short drive to the national, and so I would take care of Freddie. And uh, I, I mean, he was Freddie was healthy as a horse and lived well into his seventies, uh, strong as an ox and healthy. Uh, but he always had this concern about his blood pressure, which was reasonable, which is concerning. But it, it was never a significant issue. Uh, but when I'd get out there. It's a, let's go out and hit some balls, or let's go right around the course, or what have you like that. So uh, that was pretty. Uh, that was I was well compensated for uh, <laughs> uh, that that medical care. I mean, well compensated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the most envied position in medical medicine in the country. Yeah, and I try not to tell anybody about it. I'm telling you now, <laughs> since, it's, since it's of historical interest only. I kept that. I kept that pretty much to myself as much as I could. So, because as soon as I let somebody else know, I said, "Oh, well, do they need such and such and such and such?" Oh, well, I mean, would you take me out there? Da, 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 da. So, I, uh, I, I kept that a big secret. Trip, I love in your, your one of your quotes. Uh, I, when I sign people's books, I write, "Who's the Freddie in your life?" Which is, uh, I think, a great a great question to kind of ask yourself. Uh, obviously, uh, he's right up at the top of your list for influences, right there with your with your pops. Yeah, I, I actually uh, came up with that. Actually, my, my wife actually came up with it, the idea of it, and and whenever I do my talks, um, which I actually had four of them lined up uh, this week, and in fact, uh, they got postponed, but. And I'll close it with saying, uh, you know, who's your Freddie in your life? And I'm asking them, you know, who's the person that maybe, you know, gave you hope when you had none or loved you when no one else, you thought no one else did or opened the door you thought was for or closed. And I tell them that, you know, everybody in this room was successful. I said, you didn't get there by yourself. You had a Freddie in your life. I want you to think about who that is. And when actually when I was, uh, came up with the idea for the book, I didn't realize how important and influential Freddie was on my life until I started writing the proposal. One thing led to another, led to another, and I, I said, you know, if it wasn't for Freddie, I wouldn't have been any of these things. And I mean, he didn't 
you know, write the story of my life, he edited it. He directed it. <laughs> and a lot of it without, you know, without me knowing it. If you think back on your life, you can think about you know, a certain person, like, of course, you know, they got you into the game, and now you're one of these great teachers, and these influences that people have on your life, and a lot of times you don't realize it. And unfortunately, it was too late for me to, uh, I mean, to write, Freddie's a joke, we you know, you know write, write a book together, he said, but we'll have to publish it when I'm dead. And I said, why is that? He said, because they don't kill us with all the secrets that I know about that place. <laughs> <laughs> so will that so come out after, after your gone trip, will, we, will that book be published? <laughs> that, that might go to the grave with me. <laughs> That's author Trip Bowden, the author of The Caddy's Cookbook, uh, Freddie and Me, and all the memorable rounds, with uh, all with ties to Augusta, Georgia, and his father, Doc Bowden, the unofficial official doctor of Augusta and their staff for many, many, many years, and has played the golf course many times and been to 57 consecutive Masters tournaments. We'll be back with uh, more of that interview next week, and uh, just a thrill to have both of them on. You can get a signed copy of any of Tripp's books at tripbowden.com. Tripbowden.com. I got one last year. Just kind of adds that author's personal touch. So any of Tripp's three great books, actually, tripbowden.com. Get you an autographed copy there. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. We'll be back with Chuck Kletkatsky from Craigans and wrap up this week's show right after this. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also available now on really wherever you find podcasts at uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris, a special guest today, J.D. Drimmel, CEO of the Minnesota section of the PGA of America. A nice special guest and uh, Chris, uh, you got any aspirations to be a CEO yourself? Yeah, well, I kind of am. I own Chris Foley Golf School. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the show, J.D. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. I'm wondering if you're hiring, actually, now that uh, I've been in the chair for 60 days. So, <laughs> 60 uh, days. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you all having me on. No, absolutely. J.D., you know, I, we'll, we'll get into some other things, but t- tell us – about the PGA, there's always some confusion between the USGA, the PGA, the MGA. There's all these initials, but w- what is the PGA and what, what's their role? Yeah, well, it's it's definitely a, uh, a a confusion point for sure, especially in the public. So when I say to people that I'm a PGA member, and I think most of our PGA members get this too, is well, did you play on the tour, and are you still playing on the tour, and that kind of thing. So. The PGA of America uh, split from the PGA Tour back in the 60s, I believe. So the PGA of America itself is made up of men and women golf professionals uh, in many different roles. So uh, they are not only your head professionals at facilities, they're general managers, they're, some of them are superintendents. We've got a lot of PGA professionals throughout the entire golf industry, both uh, indoor and outdoor. So now our retail stores and top golfs and that kind of thing also employ uh, PJ members. So ironically, we're the world's largest sports organization made up of men and women professionals who really have two missions. One is to uh, help our members, and the other thing is to grow our game. So um, our Minnesota section itself is made up of the entire state of Minnesota, most of North and South Dakota, and even parts of Western Wisconsin. So we've got a pretty big regional reach as far as uh, uh, our association and our section, 
And really, we're here to do a couple things. We're here to promote golf, and we're here to help provide services for our golf professionals and PGA members to make them better at their jobs and get them where they want to go in their careers in golf. Yeah, you know, with everything that's going on with the, the pandemic and, and you know, we're, we're supposed to be starting the spring season here in Minnesota, It's uh, things have kind of come to a screeching halt. But uh, the Minnesota section has been doing a great job keeping golf professionals informed with what's going on. But you're also making a huge effort to kind of lobby to get the golf courses open and tell us about that. Yeah, it's actually, uh, yeah, as we mentioned earlier in our comments prior to getting on air, I never thought I'd be in this chair to begin with, but in this chair in this pandemic is certainly nothing that I or anybody could probably prepare for. So uh, it gets a little complicated for us uh, as your uh, section staff in the means of we actually have to monitor and do monitor four separate states and what's going on in those states. So although the bulk of our 600 members of our Minnesota section are in the state of Minnesota. Uh, we do have members that need our help in Wisconsin, North and South Dakota as well. So, uh, yeah, the, the position we're in at this point is uh, all about communication. You know, we, uh, as an association, we try to provide guidance and support for our PGA members and the facilities that they serve. Um, we, as a PGA uh, section, have a, a lobbyist at Capitol Hill in St. Paul who actually did a phenomenal job with us back in the days when we got our Minnesota golfer plate going. Reed LeBeau has just done a fantastic job for our section. And Reed and I talked. uh, It was funny. I ran into him at the day of the hill, the golf day at the hill, and we hadn't seen each other since we did the license plate. And I said, well, it's nice to see you. I probably won't talk to you again. And lo and behold, we're on the phone every day now for the last few (laughs) weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? Right. So, uh, Yeah, so Reed's been real helpful. We're also working with our allied associations. And back to the COVID-19 pandemic, we thought it'd be in all all of our best interest to have one voice. And so uh, made up of the Club Managers Association, the National, uh, the Owners Association, the Superintendent Association, the Minnesota Golf Association, as well as the Minnesota PGA, we've, our organizations have come together to work on communications to the governor and his leadership team and um you know as i've been trying to update our pga members on a daily update it really calls for a lot of patience and uh you know absolutely it's almost 60 degrees here in minneapolis today as we're doing this radio show and people uh would be open if they're allowed to be open you know some i remember as a club professional here in minneapolis for 22 years my average open date was april Wealth, I believe. So we are ahead of schedule. But, you know, frankly, coming off the last couple seasons of uh, weather issues, you know, grass issues, we were just so ready to go this spring. And the courses looked phenomenal. And then the pandemic hit. So we're working very patiently with our governor. Um, we've got some good communications in with him. We've uh, had him talk about Ironically, in this last two Friday pressers, uh, he's mentioned golf in a possible form of outdoor recreation during the pandemic and the stay-at-home executive order that he's given us. So uh, I certainly get the fact that facilities want to open. I certainly, we certainly get the fact that we need to maintain our golf courses as an asset. You know, it's not like you can turn the key and open up a golf course for play. I mean, you have to maintain the course, especially this time of year. So trying to get some clarification on that while 
also, you know, really in the big picture, we, we get the governor. We get what he's trying to do. Public safety and public health is number one and should be number one. Uh, and then when the time is right, let's talk about outdoor activities. And we firmly believe that golf can be used with social distancing, probably more effectively than a lot of things. Uh, you know, we talked about walking on down the, the bike trail last week, and, and it was packed. And yeah, right. when I hit the golf ball, not that busy, that's for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, kind of the same way. Any mind. of my foursomes, right. we're, we're not right down the middle very often together. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, golf is such a social thing, and I think that's what we're really finding is people miss their friends, they miss interactions, and you know. But although I'm a little hesitant, I'm I've got a friend of mine who's in the Northeast who literally went to work at his golf course and back home, and he has COVID and is in the hospital, and frankly, we're not sure he's going to make it. So, you know, I know there are precautions you can take to make things seem better. Um, but I think we have to just be we have to be cautious. We have to follow you know we have to follow what the uh, what the experts know way more than we know. That's for sure. Sure. Yep. Yeah. We definitely all have to do our part to stop this thing. Yeah, and there's you know as an association too, I, I would love to put out a blanket statement and say do this, do that, and everything will be great. Well, you know we don't know what individual facilities are going through. I mean, there's there's private owners, there's different leaders, there's you know, we're kind of all over the board. Uh, we're retail as well. We're we're also, as Chris, as you know very closely, you're, we're teachers and, and instructors and coaches. And, I mean, that's just – there's so many different uh, scenarios that our PJ professionals uh, encompass in our association. It's, we just try to give them the best guidance that we have without telling them what to do, basically. J.D., a lot of courses are walkable. A lot of our are probably less walkable with lots of room between the tees. Do you – do you see a, a walking order or a, or a cart, or, but with single people, or what? Are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Thanks, Colin. There's the, you know, I've been I've been talking to a lot of people around the entire nation, and we're trying to work with best practices. And it seems to me, in my uh, research, most of the clubs that are open have been allowed to have walkers for sure. I mean, that's that's social distancing in itself. Sure. The ones that are allowing golf cars to be operated have to then think about their staffs. They have to think about the procedures on cleaning. They have to think about policies on one or two riders. They have to think about Mr. and Mrs. Smith who rode in a car together to get to the facility now may or may not be allowed to ride in a golf cart together. I mean, there's there's so many different scenarios. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's to me that walking is uh, probably a good method to practice the social distancing. So get in shape in the off season or it's almost season now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, you know, it's, it's weird to see. I've never seen my neighbors walk outside so much. Um, and, you know, although this is a terrible, terrible thing going on, you know, hopefully people look back and, and make some changes. And, and uh, as Chris said, we're all in this together. We need to come together to, to survive and to be better coming out of this. J.D., you know, you mentioned the, the maintenance of the golf courses and, you know, being able to continue to maintain them. I was reading yesterday that in Australia, they're, they're trying to get their golf courses to be able to be maintained still. And if they go unmaintained, it's going to be a $5 billion impact in trying to get the golf courses up and going again. 
You're just full of good news today, Chris. Um, <laughs> the uh, that is that's definitely a fact. The, what we're finding uh, is that of of all the states that are either contemplating golf, playing golf, or not playing golf, the majority by far are allowing the golf courses to be maintained, and and that's step one with our allied associations. We want as we have a, a kind of a two prong. Uh, purpose and the number one purpose would be to let's get an exception to the governor's exec- executive order to allow maintenance of the golf course to take place. It's just coming out of, of the winter, you know. It needs some mowing, it needs some treatments, it needs some attention, it needs some TLC. And you know, most crews I think are ready to maintain their golf courses in a in a uh, responsible manner. Let's just say um, so. That's our number one goal. And then, yeah, no doubt, everybody would love to go play golf, but, you know, the, the time has to be right for that. So we're, whether it's now or it's a week from now or two weeks from now, uh, we're not sure. But, yeah, absolutely, we know and very confident that the governor and the surrounding governors know the impact that it would take to get a golf course back uh, rather than just simply maintain it as we go. We uh, so really appreciate coming know, on and uh continue to do what you're doing in your efforts to uh to get golf going jd we might might get back with you in the next uh, few weeks if uh well we'll just get some progress reports if we're if we're not quite out there or if we're just about out there that kind of thing so uh yeah we sure appreciate you taking the time and an odd first year for you on the job for sure yeah absolutely i hope there's a second year Uh, (laughs) but absolutely would love to get back on the show you will probably be hearing me shout from the rooftops when uh, we get a couple of these things accomplished and and especially let our passionate golfers in the state of Minnesota and surrounding states get out and enjoy the game that is so good to all of us. JD. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, we thanks look, a lot. We look for forward to that, J.D. Taking the time. That's J.D. Dremel. He's the CEO of Minnesota Section of the PGA of America, and you're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, millsgm.com, so thanks to them for that. And a uh, special guest with us, Chris, in this uh, final segment of the show this first week, Chuck Kletkatsky, Director of Golf at uh, Craigans. Uh, Chuck, welcome. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's great to uh, have another golf season getting ready to start. You and Chris haven't, yeah. haven't been able to see each other's handsome faces close up like you usually do this time of year. Well, no, I tell you, it's for different reasons, though. We were uh, expecting, I was traveling over in Europe, and uh, we were hoping Chris was going to be teaching out in California and then going to the Masters and that kind of stuff. But right. uh, obviously things have uh, things have kind of changed. Yeah, Chuck, just for our uh, listeners' background, that uh, your trip to Europe was... Uh, was uh, timed very close to uh, shutting down the flights to Europe just by chance, right? Very much so. I was over uh, hiring. We have about 50 to 60 international students that come over each summer and work at Craigans and at the Legacy, and I was on a recruiting mission. We were going to job fairs in uh, Hungary and Poland and Slovakia and the Czech Republic, and right in the middle of the week, actually just a couple days after I arrived, we had done a couple job fairs, hired some students, and the governments over there started to close the border, so we quickly arranged flights and uh made it uh, made it home through toronto and then through newark and through <laughs> minneapolis and eventually back to brainerd but uh yeah it was uh, it was an interesting time because just the week before um the people in country had said yeah come on over the job fairs are are set and 
then the middle of that week, we uh, everything changed. Sure. Chuck, how nerve-wracking was making those arrangements to try to get home? It was definitely a bit uh, stressful. I mean, it was one of those situations where we were over there, and with the time change difference and things, we didn't have great information as to what was happening. And I was with some other resort operators from around the country that were hiring students as well, and we just didn't want to be stuck over there. It was just, uh, you know, let's get home and, and uh, whatever normal was going to be. But thankfully it all worked out. The group we, we traveled with was very um, flexible and no one stressed out too much because it was just a situation. And, Chris, you've traveled a lot. You know, situations yeah. arise and you just have to deal with them. So it's yeah. in some ways a little bit of the fun of travel. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure your wife and kids were glad it wasn't four months in Poland for you, Chuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Chuck, we uh, we wanted to have you on the first week of the show because we've got some exciting announcements for uh, the Brainerd Lakes area and professional golf. It's the truth, Chris. We are extremely excited to announce that uh, in 2020, uh, the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, is going to have an event at Craigens Legacy. So the CRMC Championship is going to be August 17th through the 23rd this fall. So it's uh, only the second PGA event in Minnesota behind the 3M Championship down at uh, TPC Twin Cities. So we're extremely excited to uh, welcome the tour to, uh, to Brainerd. And, and um, although we're hosting it at the Legacy, it's definitely a community, community event and uh, hopefully brings some economic impact to the area and gets people excited about golf. That's fantastic. And for those people who don't know, t- tell us a little about the McKenzie Tour and its relationship with the, with the PGA Tour. Yeah, so the McKenzie Tour is one of three feeder tours where the players that uh, finish the best on the for the season qualify for the Corn Ferry Tour, and then the best players in the Corn Ferry Tour qualify for the PGA Tour. So um, along with PGA Tour China, PGA Tour Latin America, PGA Tour Canada is one of those three programs. So uh, we're an official event. Uh, actually, the first one in the United States, though, guys. They've never uh, played south of the Canadian border. Yeah, this is very cool, actually. I think uh, seven wins have come from alumni on the uh, McKenzie Tour, seven wins on the PGA Tour, including Tony Finau. He's not a bad player. <laughs> no, and they just, uh, Chris, who won a few weeks ago? They, uh, the gentleman was the first uh, first two-time winner. So that was exciting. Exciting. They keep uh, growing the resume, and it's really top-notch, uh, top-notch golfers that are, are uh, kind of in the, in the developmental tours headed towards the PGA Tour. And quite a lot of them head for the Corn Ferry Tour, over 200, in fact. And uh, that, you know, we've all, we all know how good those players are. They're just a half a step away from the PGA Tour. So uh, this whole thing is really, really exciting. And uh, the work behind it, Chuck, uh, you, you, you guys and uh, Ron Sanders and uh, so many people have worked uh, to get this event put in place. And that'll, so it'll be a little bit different. It'll be... Uh, uh, quite a bit more of the professional uh, layout as far as the, the week and things like that. Absolutely. Ron has done a great job. He's our uh, tournament founder and our director of sales right now, and I've taken on the role of uh, tournament director. And it's really been you know, the culmination of a couple years' worth of work of, of hosting those invitationals. And, uh, but now with being a full-fledged uh, McKenzie Tour event, you know, they're going to bring the players, and there'll be 100, 160 60 golfers, um, it's a full week, so it's Monday through Sunday. They have uh, practice rounds on Monday and Tuesday. We've got a qualifier open to the public where people can go up to Deacon's Lodge on Monday uh, the 17th and try to qualify for the tournament. <laughs> and then 
there's a pro-am on Wednesday for all of our community sponsors and partners. And then uh, Thursday and Friday, everybody plays. They have a cut, and low 60 and ties plays the weekend. So it's uh, it's exactly the same uh, format as, as a regular tour event. And interestingly, talking with the tour, one of the things that they're trying to do is groom these players so that as they advance you know, up a level, um, they're going to be used to that kind of stuff. So we're going to have... Um, the fairways roped and you know we're not going to have huge grandstands yet but uh the look and feel of it will definitely be different than your than your regular charity uh charity or scramble or or uh you know even even uh, the state open and things like that very interesting how many how many people would come out of the the deacons qualifying do you know yet chuck i believe eight uh i believe there's eight spots available every monday and um that'll be some local people it'll be some people that to have uh, limited status on the McKenzie tour. Sure. Um, and interestingly, with the with the um, COVID nineteen situation that's going on right now, we've gotten a number of players that had status on the Asian tour that uh, are talking about you know trying to qualify here too. So it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting time, and um, it's great to uh, you know kind of focus on the community and and the fact that Cuyuna Regional Medical Center stepped up as our title sponsor um has been just a, a a great partnership and you know we're looking forward to continuing that for years to come chuck one of you know the big things when you have an event like this is is you need a big force of volunteers and tell us about some of those opportunities yeah we do have a number of volunteer um opportunities available people can uh, work as walking scorers we've done that the last couple of years and it's really been a popular thing because you're you're inside the ropes you're right with a you're right with a group um, we need food volunteers. You know, there's there's course setup uh, in in the week before. You know, to set up all those ropes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that happens. Uh, Matt McKinnon, our superintendent, is reaching out to local and regional um, golf course maintenance employees, and they're going to come over and help. Uh, you know, kind of dial up the course a little bit and that kind of stuff. So there's a ton of uh, opportunities available for people that want to be involved. Chris, it's been real interesting to hear uh, from some of our our local people that normally have volunteered maybe down in the Minneapolis area. Um, but they're like, this is great. We get to volunteer at home. So we're really excited to, uh, to let people, um, come in. Our CRMC championship website is up and the details are, are all on there about, uh, volunteering. And we've got a great volunteer package. There's a small fee to be a part of it, but the, uh, you get a foursome of golf at Craigans, you get a shirt and a hat, you get access to the grounds for you and a friend for the whole week, um, so it's really a great uh, a great opportunity to to kind of be inside the ropes a little bit. You know, one of one of the things that people may be very interested in is they're going to need some caddies as well. That's the truth. Uh, Ryan Sharp, one of our golf professionals at the Legacy, and your partner um, is leading up that core. But yeah, the the tour has um, players that some of them bring their caddies, but a lot of them do use local. Uh, local caddies so that's an exciting opportunity too that uh people can can volunteer for and uh we're not sure exactly how many we're going to need but uh, that's part of the part of the fun of finding finding out as a first year event any event like this too chuck you can't do it without great uh community interest from businesses and it's the crmc championship they're kind of your premier sponsor but a whole bunch of businesses uh, adding their uh shoulder to give this uh, event a push the first year Absolutely. We've had great support in the past, but this is going to a whole other level with uh, the exposure that they get and just, you know, branding with the PGA Tour is, is very, very exciting. And uh, Reggie Clow up at Clow Stamping, him and Cindy have 
have come on and they're sponsoring the uh, Saturday Night Jam. So we're going to have a party on Saturday night for uh, all the volunteers as well as all the community sponsors. And um, we've got D&D Beverage. We've got uh, your guys' radio station, Pepsi, just a bunch of a bunch of, of great people that have, have come on. And that's a push that that's what we're working on kind of right now is to um, solidify those relationships and those those commitments um, so that we can help make this thing happen. Chuck, we're going to want to check back with you all the uh, months leading up to this. And uh, like you say, right now it's a go in, uh, in, in August, the 17th through the 23rd. And they're just super exciting. Uh, we all know that Brainerd Lakes uh, has a lot has a great love for golf, and uh, we're going to be able to show it off a little bit to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's exciting to have uh, have the tour uh, choose to come here and, and to choose Brainerd and and the you know the entire lakes area. And you know our mission is to raise some money for local charities as well as to showcase the recreational assets in the Brainerd Lakes area and the Cuyuna area. You know, everywhere in this region, there's just uh, you know in addition to golf, there's so much. So much great out, outdoor stuff to do, and hopefully we can get back outside here pretty soon. Yes. Speaking of that, Chuck, what uh, if we can open? What's your prognosis when when uh, when we'll be able to get going? Well, the golf course is uh, come through winter very very well. Obviously, there's still a little bit of snow on it, so even if this hadn't happened, we wouldn't be open quite yet. Our target date was April 15th. We're hopeful the governor changes his uh, stance a little bit and lets golf course is open and at that point you know hopefully between the 15th and the the 20th of april we will be golfing at the legacy of courses again fantastic yeah i think so sign those petitions that are out there everybody to uh, get the golf courses opened up chuck thanks for taking the time and we'll be checking in with you as we say every uh, week or every other week certainly as we uh, go through the golf season uh, chris that wraps our uh, first uh, show this year we, we're kind of thrilled to have live uh, uh, live new content for people with all the the games that have been canceled and that kind of thing. So absolutely, it uh, there's been a lot of not feeling normal <laughs> yes. over the last <laughs> s- several weeks. This is uh, it's nice to have some normalcy. <laughs> it is. It's uh, Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. The fans streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. And if you do have a a topic or a question for Chris, find us on our Facebook page. That might be the easiest way to do that. Lakeswoods and Irons Facebook page, and uh, uh, Chris will do his best to answer the golf questions. I'll handle it, I guess, general knowledge. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, Wednesday night for a replay of this show and then next Saturday morning at 8 for Lakeswoods and Irons.